This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. This episode is brought to you by, woohoo, I love this company, Keep Botanicals. Keep Botanicals is a 100% plant-based brand. They are women-owned and proudly formulate clean treatments for the face, body, and hair. Keep was founded by Lisa Brill. I love that woman because of her own challenges with her thyroid and autoimmune disease. Every day, they make fresh batches of products in their California and Wisconsin skin studios. It's small batch from scratch, and it's fresh from their studios to your doorstep. Shop online at keepbotanicals.com or pop into one of their studios. I promise you're going to love it. Well, today's awesome and inspiring podcast guest is Max Strom. Let me tell you, I'm reading his bio here and it's like all the things he's done. I've been looking him up all morning and throughout the week. I was so excited. And this just does not wrap it up. But here we go. Max is an author and he's a three time. I want to tell you three time TEDx speaker. Now, people, you know how hard it is to get on TEDx. And he's a global teacher that minimizes it. He teaches disruptive breakthrough innovation and breath work to alleviate hyper stress for the benefit of humanity. Welcome, Max. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you. I'm in Holland right now where it's uh, nighttime and I'm happy to talk with you finally. See, I was like, wait a minute. When did you go to Holland? <laughs> I've just been December, since December. That's all. All right. So it's fairly new. So what's the temperature there, Max? Uh, it's probably about 38 degrees right now. It's been a little cold. Oh, all right. Well, that's not bad. All right. So wait a minute. Let's just back up before we get into all the stuff you're doing to change the world and inspire people. Why'd you move to Holland? And it sounds awesome. Well, it's, it's really interesting that my work has taken off in Europe more than the United States. And I have no explanation for why that is. So I've been traveling over here a lot more, and uh, finally I thought, you know, I really like Europe. I love the cobblestone <laughs> streets and the church bells and the, the food, and, the, and I especially like Holland, so I thought, I'm just going to move here. Yeah, but why Holland? Like you said, you especially like it because of the people? or Yeah, yeah the people are really friendly and open-minded here, uh, yet they're still hard workers and productive. You know, quite often you can get really friendly people where it's, they're not getting much done and the infrastructure is yeah. falling apart. But Holland has really spectacular infrastructure, yet still easygoing people. And they're tall like me, so I feel at home here. Oh, how tall are you? I'm about 6'6". Six, six. Oh, okay. Then the doorways are meant for you over there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I love that change. Now, was there a family you left behind? Do they care? Or you just fly around so much? It doesn't matter. No, it's, it's, um, it works out perfectly for me to be here. Yeah, I love that. That's, that's just great. All right, so now, Max. Yes. What the heck? I mean, you're doing awesome stuff here. And... Right not now, it's like the hottest topic, you know, with anxiety and stress. I mean, I realize it's, I do, because I travel a lot and I speak a lot too. And it, it, for some reason, they accept me more in Europe or in California. 
That's what I found or, or Portland, Oregon, you know, or Seattle, Mm -hmm. but where I'm in Philadelphia, well, they just think I'm a little wacky, but recently they don't think I'm so wacky. So I don't know if you found that too, or is it more mainstream? Well, a lot of statistics have been coming out in the news over the last year that I think it's finally getting through to people that, uh, breathing patterns doing certain types of breathing patterns can really affect your um, anxiety levels immediately. And people are starting to hear that, for example, the Navy SEALs are using breathing techniques. And people think, hmm, well, they're not hippies, so maybe it works. (laughs) 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 They're definitely not hippies. Yeah. Well, you know what, though? Yeah, they are not hippies. (laughs) Um, But... I don't know if you run into this, but everything I do, like I'm a pretty basic person. So I like to take all the complicated stuff and break it down uh-huh. and simplify it. I, every time I tell people like, well, just breathe or, you know, just take a minute to three and write in your draw. They think it's too easy. Like it can't be that simple. Like how are you, you know, taking this really severe thing with anxiety, stress and depression and tell me it's just going to happen with breathing. You think that's part of it? It just seems too good to be true. Yes, and also, if it works, how can we haven't heard about it until now? That's true. You That's know? true. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about – I want to I get into your journey, but the first thing I want to start off with is – is it called – I want to make sure I have it right – inner access? Is that your A- breathing? Access. Like, like the access uh, between two poles. Okay. So when did you, you know, design that? Well – really about four years ago, but it's been in development, let's say for 23 years, it just gradually has evolved. And then I created the moniker, uh, interaxis about four years ago. And do you teach yoga yourself or you teach the breathing part of it? I used to teach yoga quite extensively and I had my own center in Los Angeles a long time ago. I started teaching yoga in 1995, but it, as I started teaching, I'm a bit of an innovator, so I would take what I learned, and through teaching a lot of people, I would modify things and, in my opinion, improve things, and sometimes combine, for example, Qigong, Chinese yoga, and, yeah, yeah. and you know, different things to create my own system, which seemed to be more effective than the way I was taught to teach. And since I've been teaching for 23 years... I've witnessed society change greatly. You know, when I was yeah. teaching, most people didn't have a computer, and no one had the internet virtually. Uh, the, the, you know, then the smartphones came in in 2006, social media, and then anxiety and stress started spiking, and I started uh, specializing in helping people with this around 2005, 2004, maybe. And, oh, okay. But people didn't pay that much attention then. But now that we have in the U.S. about 50% of people with some sort of anxiety disorder, now now people are paying attention. Yeah, you know, it's always I, – I don't know. And I guess, you know, you've come up with a solution. But you know how you know things innately, Max? Like you just know from living your life and what you've done and what's worked. Mm-hmm. But unless the – the metrics they keep they used to always say to me the metrics sandy the numbers the scientific proof mm-hmm. no one's really listening to you mm-hmm. and so what you're saying right now is you th- do you think there's more scientific proof there is uh th- there's been a few studies 
that have proven that breathing helps with anxiety and depression. But the scientists, and, and I, I talk to the neurologists and neuroscientists, they still don't know why it works. They're at that stage where, okay, this works, but we don't understand why yet. Okay, and, fair enough. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I am now getting uh, testimonials from very high-level physicians who are saying, this is simple, but it works. And not just for um, patients, but for the doctors, too, because the doctors yeah. you know, are really in trouble. So you were, I was listening to one of your TEDx talks, by the way, it was awesome. Thank you. And I re- it was really good. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to cut it off because <laughs> I was listening to another one. I'm like, I, I got to bring them on. I got to stop listening. But um, it was really making me sad to think about how many people, I think you were saying how many women in the United States are on anxiety medication. Yeah. Is it really that high? It's actually worse than what I said in that. I mean, my newest, my latest TEDx talk was almost three years old, and the statistics are worse. You know, the UK just did a thorough mental health study last year, 2018, and they okay. released the results. Have you read that? No, I'm writing it down right now. Yeah, you can look it up on The Guardian UK. They, they released it on The Guardian. And okay. They found out after interviewing thousands and thousands of Brits, they were shocked to find out that 30% of the people they interviewed considered taking their own life the year before. What? 30%. Oh my goodness. And about 30% also say that they're extremely lonely. And usually when we hear that, we think, well, that's the older people, but they're going to die soon anyway, so that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But now it's the millennials, that demographic, are saying they're the most lonely, the people who are online the most, and say, leave us alone, this is the new way of living, are the loneliest, the most anxious, but they don't connect the dots that it's part of the, part of the reason is their social media life. And the other thing was uh, one out of six Brits harmed themselves last year, such as in cutting, you know, cutting. Yeah. And 14-year-old girls, 25%. Oh, my goodness. So the, uh, the UK has created two new ministries, which is a big deal when a government creates a ministry. In the U.S., it would be a new department in the government. And uh, yeah. the, the two new departments are the Department of Loneliness and the Department for the Prevention of Suicide. That's how serious. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. You know what? It's so I'm sitting here and I have so you know um, I have a daughter who is 37, lives in Florida, married, has a kid, but I have a son who's 15 and a freshman in high school. Mm. So I'm very involved in the school system and the kids. My house is like a community service. They come to me because they're filled with anxiety and stress and they they want answers and they want to know what to do, but they won't admit that it has anything to do with social media, number one. Number two, when they tell a lot of them, tell their parents, and I don't know if you deal with this, the parents go, what do you have to be stressed about? I mean, your life is great. Do you know what I mean? Compared to what they had. And they get really frustrated. So I, I have, I always ask, you know, people, okay, this is who I'm bringing on. What are the questions, you know, for Max? And so one of my questions I'm going to bring up right now, 
do you have any ideas how to get through to the youth? Like, what can we do for these high school kids? Like, what can we show them? Yes, but part of my answer is not very popular, I have to say. Uh oh. <laughs> we like that, Max. We don't. We don't want it. You know, average. <laughs> I'm ready. There's a new style of parenting in the last 20 years, and especially the last 10 years. And I don't think people are connecting the dots. That that's also part of it. You know, I think that the way people parent now, and I'm generalizing, of course, is is so so permissive and so um, lacking of boundaries that it's really an overcompensation to what they experienced as children or their parents did. You know, like my... I, I agree. Yeah. And so now kids um, don't know what no means. No is optional. You know, and, and kids need boundaries. And when they have firm <laughs> boundaries, not cruel yeah. boundaries, not hit them in the face boundaries, just no. firm boundaries, it makes them feel secure. And when they don't have them, it makes them very anxious. So that's part of it, in my opinion. Okay. No, I, I understand. And you know what? Sometimes we go to extremes and then we come back around again. That's right. You know, so, you know, we're trying to compensate, like you said. I get it. You I mean, we're not supposed to just sit down with our kid and say, well, how do you feel? <laughs> Let's discuss it. Yeah, they're asking five-year-olds <laughs> to make rational decisions. And, uh, and any psychiatrist can tell you a five-year-old is not really capable of making rational decisions. They're going to be emotional yeah. decisions. Even at 15. Well, okay, 15 is a little different. Yeah. But also, I, um, for example, I've told a lot of mothers this. There's actually a cell phone that you can buy for kids now. It's called Monkey. It's only been out about two years. Monkey is spelled M-O-N-Q-I. And it's okay. designed for children or, or young teens so what it means is you can make calls with it and you can get messages with it and you can send texts, but you can't get online. Ooh. Therefore, you can't get on social media. You can't be bullied on social media. And it also has a GPS tracker so your parents can know where you are. Um, so for if you're really little, it can help them find you if you're in trouble. And if you're a teen, yeah. they can tell if they're being lied to as to where they are. And I think this would be a really good phone or this type of phone to give to kids so they're not on social media during the day, but they have the phone that they needed to call you or the police or they need help. Yeah, yeah. They don't need to be online. Yeah. So let's back up. I want, because you said two things that were very interesting. One is the style of parenting that kids can't make rational like at different ages of their development you can't it's too stressful for them to you know make their own decisions like they they need like you said firm boundaries not painful you know but just firm boundaries to know yes and no and be able to deal with it okay that's number one number two the social media so you believe that's part of the reason that there's so much stress and anxiety with the millennials. Yeah, it's not just me that believes that there are so many yeah. studies about it now. And, and it's easy for a parent to forget that when you're a kid, your school and your friends, that is the whole world in your reality. So if you're shamed in that environment, it would be like you and I getting shamed on CNN, you know, where the, the paparazzi's oh. outside our door. So it'd be like, let's say we go through a divorce, and but 
it would be like it's for a huge movie star. So the paparazzi is out there. They follow us everywhere. Yeah. And, and on top of that, they make fun of us. They're mocking us. Ooh. And that's what it's like. Yeah, no one's ever put that in that perspective. That's, yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, and that's why you get 11-year-olds taking their own life now because that's how serious mm. it is for them. So, okay, we've gone down this slippery slope. <laughs> what are some of the answers? Like for, I get five-year-olds, but what do you do with high school kids? You know, that, well, you know, to show them, okay, this is not really good for you. Like when they come to me and they're like, how can we control anxiety and stress? And I say, limit your social media. I mean, what are some real things we can do? Well, a friend of mine says, you know, when they're a teenager, you have only influence now at best. You have no control over them. And so I think really it's more about setting an example and giving them alternatives rather than trying to prevent behavior that you don't want them to have. Yeah, like when you're younger, you're saying is when you're going to make the bigger impact. Yeah, that's when you have a lot more influence the first five years, especially the first yeah. six years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got it. So let's back up there. Because if the parent is sitting there at dinner on their cell phone, answering emails and texts, and then telling their child not to do it, it's more important right now, like you said, to set a great example. Like hold that space. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I mean, let's let's keep cell phones, uh, I guess smartphones, I call them now. uh, I call them stupid phones. Let's (laughs) let's keep them out of the bedroom, especially out of the bed. And yeah. off the table when you're eating together. And we need to eat together more. Like we're wired to share meals together uh, as much as possible and prepare food together as well. You know, Americans now we have these amazing kitchens, but mostly we just use the microwave. That's true. That's true. You know, or take out. You're right. Like just get it heated up. Let's go on the road. You're right. And, and so many of us feel so busy. I don't really know anybody who's an adult who feels like they have tons of extra time. Uh, I know. Isn't you know, that they, true? Nobody Everyone says, I think I need a hobby. Everybody, <laughs> everybody is behind uh, emails and texts. And Isn't that funny? You know what? It's a joke. You're like, that. every time people call me, go, how you doing? I go, you know? I got nothing going on. It's a joke. I just joke about it, you know, because I want to stop the spiral. I'm so busy. I don't want to say that, you know. That's funny. That's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. So let's bring it to your book. So when did your book come up? I want to make sure I have it right. There is no app for happiness since we're talking about 2013. Wow. You were way ahead of your time. Thank you. I was, uh, because of that book, I was invited to speak at the World Government Summit in 2016, invited by the Minister of Happiness. No. Awesome. Yeah, Dubai, um, they call it the Minister of Happiness. The UK calls it the Minister of Loneliness. It's the same job. Yeah. Oh, is that awesome? Tell me about it. What was that experience like? It was amazing. I had never been to an event where if you wanted to be in the audience, the ticket cost $35,000, first of all. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) I I didn't know that existed. But evidently, the World Government Summit's like one step under Davos. You know, it's... uh, it's So wait, 35... Okay, so I have to ask, how many people paid 35,000? So how many people were in the audience? It was full. There were thousands of people there. Really? 
And the key, there were 89 speakers. The keynotes were the um, Prime Minister of Bhutan, because they have uh, the Minister of Happiness. They're oh, the first country to create the Minister of Happiness. And uh, the King of Dubai was a uh, keynote, and Elon Musk was there, and the CEO of Uber, and so on. So out of 89 speakers, I was probably number 87 or something like that. But still, I was speaking to government leaders and... Um, and obviously, and you got to listen to all of it. Come on, that's amazing. Yeah, I had them up uh, doing breathing exercises from the audience. Oh, did you? Including the the Arabic men in there. You know, the, the whole thing, what they wear. They were up there doing it. It was amazing. Oh, and because they have the statistics now worldwide that we're plummeting in terms of happiness. The richest societies yeah. the world has ever known. Um, are are spiraling down in terms of happiness. It that's it's crazy, isn't yeah. it? It's and that's why. So like when the parents are saying to me, like like I just got a call the other day. Like my daughter says she's stressed out because she's got to take you know SATs or whatever. And they're like, what does she have to be stressed out about? She has a car. She has this. I'm like, I don't even know how to answer this question. You know what yeah. I mean? Because that has nothing to do it. But I find that parents feel as if. They, they can't relate to their child because they feel as if they've given them, maybe you can give me advice on how to answer them. They've given them everything. They've tried to make their life easier. How could they be stressed still? What do you say to that? I don't even know how to answer it. Well, I think we're putting them under the wrong kind of stress. In other words, uh, like if we go into a shop, let's say where the owner is ethnic, you know, from India or China or Korea or somewhere like that, and the 12-year-old is at the cash register, we might feel badly for the child, where, in fact, I think they're probably getting a really good education, <laughs> you know, learning how to interact with people and have some responsibility where they're in charge of something that adults do is really good for a kid's self-esteem. To Evidently, to protecting children from from struggle is not the best thing for them. They need to learn responsibility and struggle but not just cerebrally. And also we've taken away um, PE out of a lot of schools where they, they don't get to run around anymore, taking sports out of schools. So Don't get me started on that. Yeah. Oh, God, it's like, how could you do that? I mean, they need that the yeah, most. Exactly. I mean, I, I would have been called hyperactive if I wasn't allowed to go to recess when I was a boy. You know what was really we are, we live in a really nice school district and I mean they do try to get the kids up and moving but then in high school it's not as much which cracks me up because they need it you know and it's like once every four days I'm like that's not enough but when my I know it's crazy I mean it's like are you kidding me so but when my son was in elementary school they would let him jump on because they thought thought i thought it was amazing uh balance out his um nervous system they would let him jump on a mini trampoline while studying isn't that great yeah, i mean they would let sure. him re- relax him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i thought wow and now in my house he's like he's like 200 pounds and we still have mini trampolines everywhere we go through <laughs> them and that's what he does when he besides breathing you know he does these he jumps on his mini trampoline that's great and it calms them down isn't it yeah. great I mean, I love that. But by the way, there's this guy I met. I went, I was over um, in June. I went over to Ireland and England to speak. And I met this guy. I don't know if you ever heard of him. His name is Stan Rosenthal. And he started over there in Europe, happiness cafes. 
and he's trying to spread them all throughout Europe. And I was thinking about, he's trying to get them over here into the United States. And it was a wonderful idea, like a coffee place, but a little bit different, you know, where they had the literature and, you know, speakers come in. I don't know. Have you ever heard of it? No, I thought that's what all coffee shops were, but I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it was it's a little different with the literature and that it was, but it, it's really it was really cool. And he's also that's pretty funny. Um I spent my life in coffee shops, but he's also like to have them inside universities or libraries, you know, a place where people can go, you know, and talk about, you know, different methods and different stress release. But anyhow, it was pretty big over there. So I, I was fascinated by it. Um, so, all right, let's, let's go on to my next thing. I got to make sure I got it all in because I could talk to you for hours. I would love right, that. So, okay. Oh my God. I like, I want to pick your brain. All right. So is there, all right, we're going to get into the breathing. Okay. Is there a breathing method that you believe in 100% or is there many methods? That was the next question I had from a 17-year-old. He said, okay, I breathe, but ask Max. You know, my coach taught me, you know, six seconds in, hold for eight seconds, four seconds. Is there a method you think works better than others when under stress? Believe it or not, you know who taught him to do that? He said his dentist because he was so scared of going to the dentist, which a lot of people are. You know, and his dentist said, hey, you know, the science says now that you should breathe. <laughs> so he's like, I still felt the pain. But ask Max for anxiety and stress. Is there a method that's different for adults, teenagers or kids? No, there's not a magic bullet breathing exercise. But, but and also I, I teach different breathing exercises depending on your goal. So oh. let's say you're about to do a test. I would give you one breathing exercise to focus you. Let's say you need to fall asleep at night. I give you a different one. Let's say you want to wake up in the morning and uh, get going without drinking coffee. I'd give you another one. And let's say you... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did you say no coffee? All right, Max. Now we cross the line. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Click. No, you're, there's a breathing exercise, so you don't want cough. I'm sorry. All right, we. I'm going to put that down. And then the last right. one is there one for not having red wine? I just want to know: is there a breathing exercise that you don't want red wine? Um, well, drinking alcohol in the evening is really a bad idea if you have trouble sleeping. If you don't have trouble oh, okay. sleeping, that's not a problem. Okay. Okay. All right. So basically you're saying there's different, I did not know breathing exercises depending on what your need is. And one of the most important ones is that a lot of us, due to the way we're conditioned socially, you're, you're, uh, you know, a lot about psychology. So I'm sure you know more about this than I do, but we're taught not to express certain emotions, particularly grief, shame, fear, and, um, sometimes confusion or anger for women. These are not allowed socially. Yeah, what's up with that? It's really bad. It's like we're still all preparing for war. We're being trained to be warriors. And um, the hearts, the human heart's not a very good filter. It, you know, we, we try to suppress fear, shame, anger, and um, grief. Yet then someone says, why can't you be more open emotionally? Why can't you be more loving? Why can't you say, I'm sorry? It's like because we have a hard time shutting down just part of our emotions. If we start shutting some of them down, we shut most oh, of them down. 
I never heard it said that way. I love that. Wait, I got to take notes here. Okay. (laughs) No, that's, that's so important because the people I'm thinking of that can't express, you know, love in that way, they also don't express grief or anger or admit when they're sad or frustrated. And this, of course, especially men in the United States and Northern Europe. That's right. That's just a cheap shot. And, uh, yeah. Oh, I like that. Cheap there shot. are jerks yeah. in this world in every country, both men and women. And it sounds like you just happen to be dealing with one at that moment. Yeah. I mean, afterwards he followed it. If I didn't take his deal, he would crush me. So I don't think it was a good deal. <laughs> yep. So I thought he goes, you know, I'm a very ethical business person and I always have fair, fair, but if you don't take my deal. And so my business partner was like, he thought I was going to jump up. I don't do this often. Well, I used to do it in my twenties, but I was ready to jump over the day. He goes, calm down, calm down. I go, okay, well, this just got ugly. But anyhow, so that's what my next question was. So you're in a meeting and what can you do inside of a meeting when you feel stress or anxiety that, you know, you want to be able to control? Do you just start your breathing technique right there? Good and raspy. So you're in a, in a meeting or you're somewhere and you feel yourself getting anxious or stressed, like someone's invoking that from you. Do you just start your breathing right then? Like, what can you do? Yes. Well, the first thing I would do is remember there's a couple of mental things you can do. For example, like remember that to be too attached to an outcome disempowers you. So if I'm negotiating for anything, anything, whether it's a business deal or, um, or even you're on a date with someone and you really want to work out, let's say you're really attracted as you know, on a date, think of the date, for example, the more you want it to work out, the more awkward you will become. Correct. It's the same in business. Correct. The more you want the deal, the, the more off balance you get and the worse you behave. The better. It's best to go into any situation completely fine with walking away and trusting that other opportunities will come. Oh, good point. Good point. So if you well, can get point. that mindset, you won't have to do a breathing exercise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what about plan B? Plan B. Let's say that fails for whatever reason. No, but I do like go in. Like you have to, you're right. That's in, I I totally forget that sometimes, but one-on-one in business, you have to be willing to walk away. You're right. Yeah. Just doing uh, like a four, seven breath where you inhale to the count of four, exhale to the count of seven. You could have your hand under the table, just gently tapping your leg to be like a metronome to keep time, you know, no one will ever see it. But while they're talking, you're just going inhale one, two, three, four, exhale one, two. And the longer exhales create the relaxation response and calm you down. Yeah. Or you could do what I did, which is excuse myself and go to the ladies' room and breathe in That's, there. That worked too. That is an excellent idea. You can also do that. Well, I don't know. It just worked. So is there before I know we have to wrap up and there's two things I want to get in. But is there I mean we're gonna refer them to all your information. Is there a breathing exercise we can do together, like for just like if someone's just feeling anxiety and stress, like even in traffic, you know, is there one that you could recommend? 
or we could do together? Yes. Uh, well, if they're in traffic, the four, se- the four, seven, or four, eight breath. The four, eight okay. really is four in, seven out, pause one. That's so it makes it four, eight. Like so four, seven, okay. one, you might call it. Because um, okay. you want to stay alert when you're in traffic. But uh, if you're not in traffic, where you can actually close your eyes or relax. Like if you're in a, on a train, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. so let's say you just left the meeting in your office or you're about to go into the meeting. So you have a moment of privacy. Yeah. Uh, then I would do the four, seven, eight breath and that's inhale. You okay. know that one you inhale four, yeah. you hold your breath seven, you exhale eight. It's the easiest one to teach over the radio. <laughs> okay. and it's the easiest one to teach in a conference. I often teach people that one. Oh, you do. Okay, cool. Like it also it. is the same one that you can use to help fall asleep at night. So if you're the type of person who lies down and starts thinking about your business deal, uh, instead okay. you would lie in the dark in bed, uh, ready to go to sleep and do the four, seven, eight, about four or five times. Yeah. yeah. I was just telling somebody the other day that, you know, they were saying, you know, about they don't have time to meditate. And I said, you don't have time not to meditate and even just doing the breathing stuff. And I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm all about the prevention before you're in the thick of things, because the more you have those habits formed, then when you are, in, <laughs> things do hit the fan or you're going into battle, they click in sooner. You know, they're, you're not just trying to learn it, you know, when, when things get rough. That's exactly right. I completely agree with you. I mean, if you think of a soldier, they don't, they yeah. don't train while they're in battle. They train before the battle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and my son, what's funny when he comes in and the house is a wreck, I, I also mountain bike and hike a lot and he'll just have my bike in his hand. He goes, before you walk in the house, I think you should mountain bike or do your breathing things because you're not going to like receive. So it's pretty funny that they know me, but even now, and I am, and I'm in a lot of negotiations and it's way more stuff. I'm selling one of my businesses. Like I, I've been in the business a long time. So my first health club was when 1993. So I'm selling my last and final health club after 70 years. So it's very stressful. So my friends are going, man, she's spending a lot of time meditating. <laughs> and But I feel as if I need it more, you know, to keep my head clear. And I'll spend more time, you know, asking for clarity. But I just found out, which I don't know if it's up and running yet, that you have something new that you're launching. Is that true that we can all access? It's called Breathe to Heal, like my TED Talk, same title. Breathe to Heal. Ah. It's an online course, and it's six and a half hours. It's thorough. Now, obviously, you don't have to watch the whole thing, but if you want to, basically, my lifetime's work is on that uh, video course. So you pay oh, one fee, you, you access it for two years. And okay, so you have it for t- I love that. Yeah, so you you can learn all these different breathing, breathing for the office, for the home, for sleep, um, for anger, for grief, ah, breathing. Um, I better download this right away, Max. There you thank go. You. And, and um, <laughs> uh, for especially for anxiety, post traumatic stress syndrome, okay, cool. and depression. All right, breathe to heal. All right, people. All right, so Max, before we go, what made you get into this? I mean, here you are, you know, you can see this has been your lifelong work. But when you were growing up, I mean, what were you like as a kid? (laughs) 
we got to take you way back. Well, as a kid, I was I was good natured and I was very active. I grew up in the country, so my friends and I we'd go off into the forest or the hills or the sand. And plenty of, where'd you grow up? Uh, Central California, um, inland of Santa Cruz, about an hour. Okay. So, oh, yeah, so there's a lot of climbing trees and, and uh, sort of Tom Sawyer adventures. As a teenager, though, I had, I, it's a long story short, is I had a couple of experiences which made me really question early, what is life? Why is life? Is there a soul? Is there a God? What happens after we die? Ooh. And I started questioning Ooh. everything. And I started reading everything. So I was reading. Um, you were a deep kid. I guess I was. I I read yeah. comparative religions when I was 15 years old, basically university level on my own without anybody prompting me because I was burning with these questions. And so then I started meditation yeah. at 16, Qigong at 18. And that's how I got started. So we're, I mean, uh, then did you go off to college or did you just, Go travel around the world. No, it's it's a funnier path than that. I spent a couple of years with a friend uh, going around the United States to different to, to see these uh, different spiritual teachers, which there were a lot of in the seventies, yeah. and there were a lot of communes, yeah. there were a lot of cults um, that we know about now. That some of them were really bad. We didn't we wouldn't stay in those longer than a day. That was pretty easy to notice for us if they were crazy or not. Yeah. But uh, we, we did a lot of searching like that. But eventually, um, I started a band. I was a professional musician for years. And, and the more really? I got into that, the, I, my per- personal journey sort of veered more into the musical world. But then eventually I found my way back. And uh, then I started practicing Hatha Yoga and then eventually teaching it. And so... And that that's evolved over the years to public speaking, and of course, specializing in breath work. That's the really short version. Yeah. So, all right. So let's back up. So, when you were in the band, what did you play, or did you uh, say singer songwriter? And I also play guitar and keyboards and bass. What kind of music? My first band was in the mid seventies, so that was sort of like a British progressive rock, early. Genesis and King Crimson type of music, complicated. The second incarnation, because the music seemed radically changed at the end of the 70s, was more of a European new wave. And um, obviously I have a low voice, so my sound was a little unique because of that. Yeah, yeah. I did two records in the early 80s on vinyl. This is pre-CD. All right. And what about your practice as far as meditation? Do you have a specific practice that you do every single day, morning, afternoon, or night? Because of my schedule, it usually doesn't fall on exactly the same time. But yes, if I if I have plenty of time, I do my inner access practice, which involves some yoga postures and qigong movement and breathing, and mm-hmm. especially breathing. Um, and I meditate sometimes right after that or sometimes separately. But, but gotcha. also, I do something, it's a sound kind of therapy, which um, it's or called overtoning. Are you familiar with that? No, I'm right. I'm, I'm taking lots of notes today. <laughs> yeah, look up overtoning. Uh, basically, it's when you make a sound like an R ah or an O, oh, and then okay. it's like 
rub that your I know. on a wine glass and you get those high notes. Oh, yeah. So I do that with my, my, my mouth. And uh, when you do that over and over again, first of all, it's deeply relaxing. It also relaxes other people. And it's like meditating. It puts you pretty quickly in a, in a state. I'm wondering if that would work over this microphone. I wonder if I could demonstrate it for you. I've never done this over the radio. I'll try it. If it's not, I'll cut it okay. out. Let me try it. It might just distort it. So That's okay. One sec. <laughs> All right. So what you'll hear is uh, I'll create a root note, and then in a moment I'll add a higher note, and then I'll change the note a couple of times. Okay. okay. Here it goes. Oh my God, it is relaxing. No, wait, that was you. Come on. Yes, that was, was it really? Yeah, that was just you have a machine. It was you made that with I your did. mouth. Wow, it is. But you're right; it gives you the chills. It's almost like it, it, like it does. It puts you in a whole other state. Mm-hmm. And it, obviously, in person, it sounds much richer. Yeah, yeah. Well, Max, I'm going to let you go. Right. I know this has been tremendous. It's been a lot of fun. I would love to touch base with you another time. If I come to Holland, I'll look you up because I go all over the place. Is there anything that you we didn't get in that you wanted to add? We'll have all your information, but just say how they can reach you. How would you like them to reach you? Well, if you go to my website, maxstrom.com, not storm, strom. Wrong. We got it. <laughs> you can access Wrong. everything, including my new online breathing course. That would be the simplest thing. But we are also on Instagram and Facebook and blah, 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 all those things. Blah, blah, <laughs> blah. I can see you love that part. <laughs> blah, I'm blah, not that blah. interested in social media, but I, someone takes care of it for me, so we're on there. Yeah, yeah, so you can reach people with your That's message. Right. Anything else? Is there anything I forgot to ask or anything that you wanted to add in? I um, I just want to say that I just want to say that we have to rethink how we're living now, and not assume that everything new is better. Also, to people in my generation, I'm 62, not to assume everything older is better. There's a lot of things from the past we need to get rid of as soon as possible, but there's a lot of things that are coming in that we really need to investigate at a deeper level, such as social media and say, is this working or is it not? And if it's not, we need to change it. Maybe be on social media, you know, 15 minutes a day and not four hours a day. Maybe we don't need to live with our phone in our hand or by our pillow. And uh, maybe we need to still be in each other's physical presence to go through crises together rather than isolate ourselves when we're in crises to eat Ooh, together okay. and to spend time more in nature like uh, we're, we're wired for that we keep updating and improving our operating systems of our devices but our nervous system is still you know operating system version one and we're, we're designed to be in the elements, to be outside, to swim. 
I mean, look at kids. You know, they can be misbehaving and bratty and horrible. And you take them to the beach and they instantly are so happy. They stop causing problems. They start running around. And they, and guess what? The adults behave better, too. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. For me, it's the mountains. Same yes. thing. Give me a tree. I'm good. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Max, thank you so much for sharing. And everyone, remember, look them up. Uh, who couldn't benefit? I really appreciate, I so much appreciate you taking the time. It's my pleasure. You're, you're doing really great work in this world. I'm an advocate of yours. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Max. And hopefully we can touch base I would again. Love that. And until next time, everybody, remember, let's keep it real. Bye. Bye, Max. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.